Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just let's just hold up our arms and hands for a few moments. Wow. Can we just honor the presence of Jesus? <laughs> because when you have his presence, you have everything. If you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. We just want to honor that your presence is here this morning. Father, I just thank you that you are a good, good Papa. <laughs> That's who you are. That's who you are. And loved. Say loved. That's who I am. Say that's who I am. Oh, even as you were worshiping, I just saw you looking up and looking into the face of a loving Father. And what you were beholding, you were becoming. And what you become is what you've released. As you were looking up into the face of your loving Father. Wow. And he is looking at you. That's my son. That's my daughter. Something starts to change. Something starts to transform as we're looking into the Father's face. Jesus came to show us who the Father is like. And Father, even this morning, I just ask, bring glory to your Son. And even now, as there is healing in your presence, you may be seated. Wow. Oh, it is an honor, an honor for me to be here. It is an honor for me to be back again in the beautiful country of Nigeria. Oh, I love Nigeria. <laughs> I love the people of Nigeria. This is my third time to Nigeria. I think I've been 46 times to Africa. For over 25 years, I've traveled all the way from the north to Cape Town. I've traveled from the east to the west and cover this continent and actually on the videos at 75 country I actually just passed 100 countries and it is just a <laughs> it's such a joy it's not that I like so much to travel but I love people and uh, and when there is a lot of people like in Nigeria there's almost 200 million Nigerians and one of the things when uh, I remember one day I was in Oslo capital city of Norway and there was somebody with a different color than us Norwegian standing there preaching Jesus in the street and I was thinking oh we used to take the gospel to Africa but now Africa is bringing the gospel to us and this Nigerian he was on fire for Jesus and was touching me and I just realized I had such a gratitude the largest church in Europe is a Nigerian church actually the largest church in the world is a Nigerian church and God is doing something specific in Nigeria. So can we just give Jesus a good hand? So I love being in Nigeria. We have been here with Lapis Lazuli. And I've been here for three years trying to practice that name. <laughs> being a Norwegian, living in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> So it was just, God must have given that name so that you have to speak in tongues to be able to say it. <laughs> but to be in there with our dear, dear friends, uh, when it comes to just 
Femi and Mina Bajam, and I know that their family, but they, they love this nation. They are, of course, from this nation, and they have actually created a movement that myself and a lot of us leaders around the world, we are coming to support. We are not here to coming in and say, wait, we are going to kind of do something for Nigeria, fix Nigeria. No, we're coming as a family of families that is just saying that how can we add value and bring our special sauce to a bigger table? But I'm also hungry, so I'm making sure I'm going to eat from your special sauce. So I'm not going to leave this place. I'm going to Kaduna tomorrow. And I really look forward to go to Kaduna. So, uh, Pastor Carlton, finally, thank you for having me and Mama Anita. So here we have both the father and mother of this beautiful family. Uh, you maybe have to apologize if you're thinking... From a different, if God wanted something different than a family, He would ask us to call Him something different than a father. But it is my Papa, your Papa, it is our Father. We honor His name. And if we're going to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth, in Nigeria, or in Lagos, or in your life, or marriage, or finances, on earth as it is in heaven, it is very important to get to know Papa. The Father, our Father. It is all a relational prayer. You do not pray that prayer as an orphan. Because Jesus says, I will not leave you as an orphan. John 14, 18. He says, I will come to you. The purpose that Jesus came was actually to reveal to us the Father. It was not just to get you to heaven, but it was to bring heaven to you. So in the middle of this incredible journey, I'm just going to share a little bit about myself uh, but also recognizing that I have some team member, and if Lou and Dan, and, and can you, anyone that came with me, and also for, and here's also, yes, just stand up my team, yes. Any of the ones that's been visiting, can we just honor them? They are, wow. And also, one of the sons and daughters of the house, I know David is sitting right behind I almost want to say Papa Carlton. <laughs> I'm almost tempted to run and jump on his lap. I was like <laughs> but I wanted to honor you for the way that you have served us all during these days. You have represented this family very well. You have represented this family very well. And one of the things that I can know is when I meet somebody, I can know who their mother and father is without meeting them by seeing their sons and daughters. And just remember that every miracle that Jesus did is because he saw the Father do it. So when he touched the lepers, it's because the Father is actually touching lepers. We used to think that the Father cannot handle sin, but actually sinners love to hang around Jesus because they love to hang around the Father. We used to think if you touch the lepers, you become unclean. But actually Jesus says if you touch the lepers, they become clean. It's a whole different way of living and loving when you are discovering your identity. Say identity. And out of that identity, you find intimacy. Say intimacy. And out of the intimacy, you step into your inheritance. Say inheritance. And then from that inheritance, you're stepping into your destiny. Say destiny. That the orphan world is different. And Lucifer was the first orphan. He left heaven with one third of the fallen angels and they no longer had a home. 
And the orphan spirit, I mean, you can have every gift and you can have the anointing, you can have all the power, you can have all those different things, but you don't have a home. You maybe have a big house, but not a home. And you can be like the prodigal brother that is out on the field and you know how to live for God, but you don't know how to live from God. And you know how to be an achiever, but you don't know how to receive. And he says, ask of me and I will give you the nation. The nation is not the problem to be achieved, but the promise to be received. And I'm not here. That was not, it's not my message. I'm just kind of warming up my voice. And I was going to share a little bit of my story. Wow. And I'm uh, looking around this room and I'm seeing all these sons and daughters of glory. Let me just say something about Jesus. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you valuable. Jesus died on the cross because you are valuable. I don't know if you got that. But be careful. That kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And you can become a joyful Christian. Because if you actually recognize it, even before the foundation of the world, he knew you. And he predestined you in love. You were actually with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit at the beginning in this perfect love. That was the starting point. What sin made us was fall short of glory. What Jesus came was to restore you back to glory because you are glorious. And creation is just moaning and groaning for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. For us to step into the identity, to represent the God that looks just like Jesus. But to do that, we have to have a view of the Father that looks like Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect theology. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And for so many years, and I'm about to just share a little of my story, show a little video. But for so many years, I had a view of God. He was kind of a little angry authoritative. Actually, the God that I served for most, I remember earlier days in ministry. By the year 2000, I'd seen a half a million people saved. Been to 54 nations. Seen over 300,000 healings. But I was an orphan on the inside. I was restless because in the orphan world, you have to do. Say, I have to do. Because if you do, then you will have. Say, have. And then you become. Say, become. That's the orphan war. But sons and daughters, it's different. Here, say, I am. And because of who I am, I have. And because of what I have, I do. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. And it was a major paradigm change. I had experiencing a baptism of water. I had experienced even a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some of you, if you're familiar with Dr. Randy Clark, the two story he always talks about is Heidi Baker and Leif Hetland. That's the two stories in his books. And the reason is two of us. For me, it was June 6, 1995, as a Baptist pastor, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it really changed and rewired his Norwegian. Oh, one encounter with God can change everything. Yes. One touch from God changes everything. And that day on the floor, because I had been praying for people for cancer, but it didn't get healed. And I had experienced funerals, and even some of my theology, I have lowered it down to my lack of experience level. 
Because I didn't want disappointment. Because the painful part, if you dream and if you have hope and it doesn't happen, it leads to disappointment. So I lowered and lowered my expectancy level. But then I didn't see a whole lot. But that day, June 6, 1995, my life was transformed. That was the beginning as one of the major encounters that changed me. And from there, but the problem was I ended up as an orphan with dunamis with power. And orphans with power, they blow up things. You give them a dynamite and it's like. <laughs> and I needed an orphanectomy. I mean, on the inside, why? Because my root system in Ephesians 3.70, my root system was not love. But you are supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. Hey! You're supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. Hey! Rooted and grounded in love. 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 How high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me? So here when your root system, all your root goes all the way back, not into insufficiency or insecurity or inferiority, because orphans, they compete with one another. Sons and daughters complete one another. And it was a very painful journey. I'm going around the world and I'm about to show this video. I have a calling over my life, have a strong anointing, strong gifting, but I'm an achiever. I know how to be a lion. Because Jesus is the lion, but I didn't know how to be a lamb. And by the way, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is 24 times lamb and only one time the lion of the tribe of Judah. So don't underestimate the power of the lamb. But in year 2000, and it's just a little of my testimony. And by the way, I've been married for 30 years to this beautiful lady named Jennifer. 30 years. We have four amazing children from 29, a son that is 29, daughter that is 27, daughter that is 26, and a daughter that is 22. The youngest is about to leave home. We live in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm putting this together. So on the inside of me, when I don't do enough, you don't do enough. Because when I'm looking up at God, what I have to do is I have to perform for love. And if not, I either get the look or even worse, sometimes you get the... Because where there is fear, fear controls and fear uses punishment. So if I have a bigger stick than you or a bigger title than you, I can use that for you to perform. But when nobody is looking, I cannot change you. And so I can get you to speed as long as we have camera that is watching you. But no, when nobody is watching, you are a speeder because we never change the people's heart. And you have to have a culture to change culture. And you can have a majority even of the population that are believers and Christians. But if they are orphans, they are not changing the world. Because before the judgment day of the Lord, He is turning the Father's hearts to He's going to send the spirit of Elijah that is a fathering spirit. It is highly prophetic, but it is also supernatural. It is a forerunner anointing. But He's going to restore a father, and He's going to restore the fathers and mothers' hearts towards their children. Children's hearts towards the fathers and mothers. And unless I smite the earth with a curse. The last word in the Old Testament is curse. And we have all been affected by the curse. And I don't have to drive far in Lagos. I don't have to look far when I go to Kaduna tomorrow to be able to see the effect of the curse. But actually what the father is saying, the only way that the curse is going to be broken is that I'm going to restore my family. And when the family is being restored, the curse of the ground will be broken. 
We don't need more orphanages where orphans are coming together. Because we can ask for fire, but if you don't have healthy fireplaces. So this has been part of my journey since year 2000. I'd had a broken neck, broken back. I was a bulldozer like Dr. Randy Clark prayed. And I'm about to show that video and have a simple, clear word for us. But my life, there was something missing. There was nothing wrong, but there was something that was not right. I was restless. Orphans are restless. I had visitation of the dove, but then I lived with pigeons the rest of the week. And the Holy Spirit, the dove, rests where there is resting place. But my motivation, even when I came to Africa the first time, 1994, after Nobel Prize was given to Mandela, the clerk, and I won a scholarship as a young guy and met with governments and leaders in the years from Congo to all over Africa. Over the years when I came to Africa and other countries, I came in there as an orphan. And I didn't have the Father's heart. I actually represented a God that actually says you have to do something to have something to become something. And it was fear-driven. The perfect love always casts out fear. And the reason I did it was not wrong. It's just I knew Jesus. I knew the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know the Father that Jesus knew. A God that loves the world so much that he will give his only begotten son. A son that loves the Father so much that he was willing to leave heaven to come down to this earth. A son that eventually came in and he was seeing in our issue. And I want you to say with me, say, Jesus, Jesus was made sin with my sinfulness so that I can be made righteous with his righteousness. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus took my shame so that I could receive his glory. And Jesus took my sickness and disease. So by his stripes, I am healed. Jesus took my punishment. Jesus took my curse so I could receive all of his blessings. This is my theology, so don't put this on the pasture. But I believe that one day I was reading this scripture, and I'm coming from a place where I love to read the word of God. But one day I was reading the scripture, and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to look at this. But what has actually killed Jesus, what actually killed Jesus, look through the scripture, he always calls him Father, 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 over and over again. But at this moment, he says, Ali, Ali, Lama, Sabatani. God, 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 why have you forsaken me? For a moment, Jesus became an orphan so that you and I can become sons and daughters. For a moment he was separated from perfect love so that you and I could be restored back again to the perfect love of the Father. For a moment. That's why Jesus is the way. Way to where? To the Father. He's the truth. Truth about what? The Father. Any view you have of the Father that does not look like Jesus. The only one that struggled with Jesus was a religious and judicial people, not sinners. Not Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the corrupt. So part of my assignment while I'm in Nigeria, one of the assignments is to helping everyone. And my latest book is called Call to Reign. It's helping people to get their identity back. And then from that identity, having such an intimacy with the Father like Jesus did, 
that I can see what the Father is doing. Or I can hear my Father's voice and be prophetic. Why be pathetic when you can be prophetic? <laughs> Why be annoying when you can be anointed? But his sons and daughters were a dove. And in one moment, oh, I love this. Matthew 16. The big question came in. Who do you say that I am? Who do they say that I am? And here they talk about, well, some says you're like a Jeremiah. Well, that's very compassionate. Or some says that you are like a John the Baptist, perhaps a forerunner. Or you're like the Elijah. Maybe they'll refer to some of the miracle. When they are looking at Jesus, the different people out there had different views of Jesus. But then finally, Jesus decided, let me ask the church. Let me ask you, the disciples. And he said, Simon Barjona, say that with me. This is Matthew 16. Who do you say that I am? And this time Simon was kind of a smart. Normally he get the foot in his mouth. Normally he would just burst or something. But here this time he realized when, when God is asking a question, it's not because he lacks answer. So this time Simon listens to the Father. And he looks at Jesus. And he says, you are the Christ. What does Christ mean? The dove, the anointed one. You are the son, son, son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, bar Jonah. This kind of a revelation you can only get from Papa, from the Father. What is the special sauce of Jesus? He is an apostle. He is a prophet. He is a miracle. All these titles. But how did heaven see him? Because how heaven see you has everything. And then at this moment, I want you to see. So who is Jesus? What is the special sauce after three years walking with Jesus? What was Jesus' identity? I'm an anointed son. It actually started out before he did any healing, any miracle. I want you to know he had been baptized by water. Then eventually heaven opens up and he lived under an open heaven. The dove came down and the dove didn't visit. It stayed. How many of you would like to have habitation instead of visitation? It is easy to have the dove come to the meeting, but then when we leave in traffic and we live with pigeons and they make a lot of mess. Or in our marriages. So then Jesus says, Simon Barjona, this revelation you could have only got from my father, but now when you know who I am, you can know who you are. You're no longer going to be Simon. You're going to be Peter. Say Peter. You're going to be rock. Say rock. Because you rock. And I want you to hear, up on this rock. Say, up on this rock. What rock? What rock is he talking about? When Jacob put his head on a rock and rested up on the rock, heaven opened up. Angels are ascending and descending in his dream. So if you want an open heaven, learn how to put your head and rest on the rock. Up on this rock. What rock is it? The identity of an anointed son and anointed daughter. Upon this rock, Christ, the anointed, the son, son, son of the living God. Upon this rock, upon this identity, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. We can build churches like Babel and trying to get to heaven with big empires. Or you can have a Bethel. Would you like a Babel or you would like a Bethel? A Bethel means the gates of heaven and the house of God. A open heaven, but a family on earth that hosts that heaven. 
upon this identity as an anointed son and daughter, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And I'm going to give you some keys, the keys of the kingdom, not just two, but of the kingdom, to be in the losing and binding business. It's not even my sermon, and I know I'm... <laughs> uh, are you okay? Do you mind if I take off my jacket since this is family? Ooh. I wanted to show a little video because what happened then in year 2000, I met Papa. I met the father, and it has been something I've traveled to 100 nations. I used to have a big apostleship, and I know I'm young, only 53 years old, but at a very young age, I received an apostleship. And then I received a leadership. And then I received stewardship. And then I had friendship. And then I had relationship. I had all those ships. And every ship got shipwrecked. <laughs> but it was one tiny little boat. It's called Sonship. And I believe it is danger to have an apostleship before sonship. Or daughtership. There's no gender. I want all of you men say, I'm a bride. I know the men in Nigeria. I want you to say this. I'm a bride. How many of you know that you are the bride of Christ? Okay, so men say, I am a bride. And listen, men, you are going to be the bride of Christ for eternity. You better get used to it. But ladies, I want you to say, say, I'm a son. I'm a son. So when we are talking about sonship, it is the spirit of sonship that says, Abba, Father. It's not a male or a female. He made an in. His image, and in the image of the Father, to man and woman, He created us. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we need some of the daughters of Eve to come up. Because some of the churches have treated them based upon the curse instead of the cross. Yeah. And He's restoring the voice of the ladies. I want us to see this video, but in the year 2000, because the fruit. If I'm coming here with revelation and messages, but it's not my life. By the year 2000, I'd had a broken neck, broken back. And I'm just being vulnerable with you. This is family time. Yes. This is family time. But I was broken. I was traveling with Dr. Randy Clark. I was going all over the world. I was doing these big crusades. And I was involved in all these different places. And started to get all these different titles. But orphan. When the meeting was over, the same anointing in the meeting, I didn't know how to bring it home in my marriage. And I didn't know how to bring it to my children because, again, it didn't matter. We had 30,000 people. Next time, 35. And it was the same with my wife. Next time, we can do more because you're living from measure as an orphan. But as a son, you live from fullness. As an orphan, you're living towards inheritance. But as a son and daughter, you're living from inheritance. Where Papa says, all that I have is yours. Every single day you can be in the Father's house. The refrigerator is full. It is not like you have a pizza and this person got a slice and there's going to be less for you. No, Papa God owns the bakery. I was broken. My marriage was broken. I had his ministry and eventually went to major rejection. I got kicked out of the denomination and the church, a mega church. And before you know it, was rejected. I didn't know I was an orphan. Good parents. My dad is a businessman in Norway. So I'm not talking about, I'm talking about an orphan heart. God was my master, not a loving father. So then you master people instead of loving people. Because your view of him is reflected how you see yourself. You do not see the world 
the way it is. You see the world the way you are. So who Jesus is to you is who Jesus will be through you. Could I say that one more time? Who Jesus is to you is also who will be reflected through you. Because what you are beholding is what you are becoming. And what you become is what you release. In a small little room in Florida, a man named Dr. Jack Taylor. He's 86 years old today. He is a spiritual papa to people like Randy Clark and Bill Johnson now when his father Earl was gone. But 19 years ago, I was called to come to a small meeting for a group of leaders. They called it a father-son's meeting. And at that moment, I was an orphan. And at that moment, we were about to lose our home and our car and ministry. And, and I'm just continued to sweat because as an orphan, you have to work for everything. Because when you don't have inheritance, you have to sweat and you have to do it. And then, well, and, and, and when one speaker did so well, then in the next one, I have to do better. Because that's the orphan wall. And when I'm hearing other people being blessed, why did he get blessed and not me? I've been out here faithful. I went to Pakistan. I did this. I did <laughs> I do. Then I have. Then I become orphan. Instead of as a beloved son and daughter, I am. And I'm his son. I am a beloved son. My papa loves me. He likes me. He delights in me. I am his happy thought. He is well pleased with me. Yeah. That day in Melbourne, a man named Dennis Jernigan was playing the piano. And as he was playing the piano, he says, Leif Hetland, come up. Small group of leaders. I walked up. I was totally broken, totally rejected. I'd had a broken neck. Two years earlier, broken back and the rest of the body. I'd been on the battlefield. I had been, like I see them, Motto is of this church. I had been at war. I've learned the way of the warrior. I've been on the front line, going into the darkest places in the world. They bombed up our people. They burned up people. But I continued to be the lion of the tribe of Judah and roar. But I didn't have the lamb's heart. And we need the warriors. But the warriors are lamb on the inside. Then you can be a lion on the outside. And we need to enlarge your hearts of a lamb before we roar. Because when we roar, people will gather, not scatter when it comes from lamb. Yeah. The prophetic needs to operate from the lamb's heart. Yeah. And I know what you deserve, but could you rather place that on me so that these people can become free? It's called a minister of reconciliation. That's the ambassador of love. So I ended up, stood there, and then he sang over me, and it was a father song. It was a love song from Papa God. I came from a country where we are Norwegian, we are Viking. It's cold weather, so we're kind of a little cold in nature. <laughs> we are not like the Latinos that kisses and hugs and do those type of things. If you hugged me in 1999, it would be like hugging a tree stump. <laughs> I, I was not very comfortable with love. And when you're not comfortable with love, you're not comfortable with God, because God is love. And then he says, as I am, so are you in this world. It's not something God just does. It's something that God is. That was 1 John 4, 16 and 17. Anyway, so that day I stood on the floor and then I started to play. And suddenly, and I had read about D.L. Moody. I had read about Charles Finney and now, but I never understood that experience. But these waves and waves of liquid love was just coming over me. And he said, and I ended up on the floor until I was like a little child. And what a love that took me all the way back into my mother's womb, four and a half months pregnant with me. And she had a surgeon. She was afraid that something happened to the child. And she carried me in fear for four and a half months. So I came into this world with fear. 
When I was 12 years old, there was an abuse and pain and somebody, not my family member, but somebody hurt me. And now, godly family parents, I moved away. I turned away from God because why were you not there, God? Why didn't you protect me? And I didn't have anyone to go to, so I ended up as a prodigal son. For the next five years, I ended up until I ended up in the pig pen. And as an 18-year-old boy, I'm in the pig pen, suicidal drug addict, not having any hope. It is true, but it is not the truth. And knowing the truth is what sets you free. And then this very day, as I laid on the floor, this audible voice from heaven, audible voice in the setting says, Leif. This is after two hours. Love visited the former, the 12-year-old, the 17. But even me in ministry or me at home or me giving my kids the look that you are not measuring up based upon what I expect from you. And even actually I want my kids to somehow look good so that I can look good. Because it is all about me. That's the orphan world. Give me, touch me, bless me, fill me, 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 me. It's my ministry. Me. Orphans. And that's how Lucifer left heaven. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. But the Son loved the Son the way the Father loves the Son. You will never see Jesus say, why are you the Father and I'm the Son? That's the root issue where the orphan spirit came from. And all poverty and everything you see that came, came as a fall. And the one-third fallen angels that is all over Nigeria has just one assignment, and that is to steal the identity of the people. And then when we are coming to Jesus, we're coming to a Jesus, and then we're keeping away from the Father because we have Father images like myself, where they came from the Second World, the Second World War, and they didn't know affection. They didn't know how to show, and I have no blame for that. But I certainly had father images or leaders in our church where you still had this performance thing. So after I got gloriously saved, now I wanted to serve Jesus, and I'm giving everything for Jesus. But here I am with a broken back and a broken neck, and eventually I'm not able to do anything. And the father was so well pleased in the moment when I couldn't do anything. It's like Jacob, I talked about it last night. He wrestled with God and he won. And how do you do that? Getting pinned. <laughs> Surrender. Stop wrestling. Give up. So you can go up. That day, the liquid love went in, touched the very root. And then the voice from heaven says, this is my, this is my beloved I knew about the baptism of water. I knew about the baptism of the Spirit. But I didn't know the baptism of love. And I wrote a book about the baptism of love. It is the most transformational. And I have so many stories about it. And then I wrote another book called Healing the Orphan Heart and the Orphan Spirit. Where I take you from the beginning and how it's, the curse is going to be broken when the sons and daughters are stepping into glory. They are lamb on the inside, lion on the outside. They are full of love, full of power, and full of wisdom. Are you okay? I came up on that floor. The father said, this is my life. You're my. He didn't call me Dr. Life. He didn't call me Apostle Life. I'm not against title. I honor title. I hope you hear me. I have titles. That's not what I'm saying. You honor fathers and mothers, and you have that reward. You honor prophet and prophets. So this is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when you're looking at Jesus, who do you say that I am? The first thing that should come out of anyone, it doesn't matter what size, what business, if you're a CEO, you're a nurse, you're an apostle, or pro- whoever you are, the first thing that should come out of you when people say, who are you? Oh, Anita is a beloved daughter 
of a good, good papa. She is a daughter with a dove that is a mama of a movement. I, I don't know if you see it. This should be the identity of every single one of the warriors because the identity is in the lamb and the authority is in the lamb. I hadn't even planned to go there. <laughs> so I'm kind of a shift in my message to stay here. I'm just feeling that there is... Because maybe we just need a fresh baptism of love. Maybe we just need a, a, an upgrade in love. Uh, Jesus, listen, before he healed any sick, before he did any miracles, what he did was he had the affirmation of the Father. He had the anointing of the Spirit. Then he was led into the wilderness to be tested. He was tested. But the test is, and it's going to be your test. If you are a son, do something. If you are a son, turn this rock into bread. Because you do something, then you will have, then you become. That's the devil. That's the only thing he can do. Because all the demonic realm is restless. And I feel this restlessness and I'm saying, where is your resting place? Where is the hard work of rest? Because rest is your weapon of warfare. Yes. And at a rest, you will wear the enemy out. Yes. Because when you are at rest, the dove rests upon you. Yes. And you no longer have visitation, but habitation. Yes. <laughs> Glorious sons and daughters. My, you're my beloved. You're my beloved son, son, Leif. Leif, I love you, not based upon what you do. Listen, Leif, you, you can't, you're my servant and you serve, but I want you to know I have angels that can serve me 24 hours a day. You're out on the field. You went from being a prodigal son and you ended up as a prodigal brother. And actually, I was further away from the father's house as a prodigal brother. And I started to be even offended with God because I had all the scriptures that says all these different benefits I should have because I'm out here doing this for God. Orphan. Orphan war. Could we open up the scriptures even if I've quoted a lot just to make this meeting legal? <laughs> Let's open up to Luke chapter 15. <laughs> oh. As I said, I did change the message just as I started to share my story because I can feel in the atmosphere in this room that there's an upgrade happening. I do know that there's a lot of you that, wow, because here's what I, what I want us to do today. I wrote my book and became very both all over the world, TBN, God TV, Daystar. This book had a major shift years ago, and it's called Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes. And pretty much what the whole book in the essence of some of my transformation is, how do you see God? How does God see you? How do you see the world and how do you see the future? So if you have an authoritative God, more a master, if you have a God you perform for love, then the way that is affecting how you see yourself is reflected in your marriage, in your kids, and everything that you do in life. The lenses you have is being seen by the face that you see when you're looking into the face of the Father. And then what you do is like me, you're running to Jesus to stand between you and that kind of a dad. Because the God you serve is pretty bipolar in nature. He seems to be in a mood swing. And it's all up to you to please him. But you will never please him enough. Because when you are in ministry, you should be with your wife. And when you have been so busy serving, you should have more time in prayer. Have you heard that voice? And it doesn't matter how much you give, you should have given some more. 
And then we have dinner. It is just because if I do, I have, I become. So Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It's just one of those scripture verses. This is kind of my life story, but this is what I believe God is doing here. And I wouldn't even have shared this, this detail, if I didn't feel that this would benefit this house. Because I can come in and demonstrate power, but listen, you will all have just a visitation. If you don't know how to come into the Father's house and climb up on Papa's lap, if you girls don't know how to dance with the Father, if you're not able to see that I know you believe in Him, and when as soon as you believe in Jesus, you get saved. But at the moment Jesus believes in you, you get transformed. He believes in you. The Father believes in you. He saw a value. And if you can capture that value, you will always deal with glory management instead of sin management. And if you're going to go from glory to glory, the starting point has to be glory. Not sin. And the fathers, we're going to see now the Father. I want to just... I've been on this journey. I want to experience exactly the same father that Jesus knew. I want to have the same intimacy with the father that Jesus did. Because if we're going to show this world a God just like Jesus, we need to have the same father that Jesus reflected. And eventually Jesus said, I'm going to go home to the Papa. But that's actually good. Because you're going to do the same things that I did and even greater things. And I often think of Jesus, could we just start with the same things instead of that greater thing? <laughs> I mean, you raised the dead, you touched the lepers, and when you came to Lazarus' grave, you said, come forth. And I'm glad that you said Lazarus, come forth. If not, the whole graveyard would come forth. <laughs> and then in each one of us, from the drummers to the guitar player, in each one of you, there is this Christ within you that is the hope of glory around you. But you have to have that spirit of adoption. You have that spirit of sonship. There's a Abba, Papa, Father. Knowing who He is so that you can know who you are. And it's out of that identity that you have authority. And that was the secret of Jesus. That's why the enemy was testing if you are a son, if you are a son. But he came out of the wilderness full of the Spirit. And then he could begin and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. Where there is bad news, I got good news. And then he just started to change the world. And later on, he went up to the Father. And he said, it's actually better I'm going to go. Because now I'm going to raise up other sons and daughters of glory. They are looking like the Father. And when they see me, they've seen the Father. When they see you, because you... Your reflection of the Father is what this world is going to see as sons and daughters. But to do that, you have to see you the way that He sees you. And this is what happened to me in the year 2000, and it's been a process. It's been a journey. Luke 15:1. I want you just to see this and take a few verses, and we're going to capture something. Can you coming into an agreement, if the Word of God, based upon the Word of God, show you something that your tradition or religion if it is different, are you willing to repent? Yes. I'm just asking you because I had to repent. The purpose of repentance, the word metanoia, repent. Say repent. Re My friend Bill Johnson says repent. That means you re, you do it again, and you go back in the penthouse where you belong. Repent. <laughs> Why would you want to live in the basement when you can live in the penthouse? Luke 15. I even have to use reading glasses, so I'm going to be in the prayer line today. <laughs> but we're going to release a fresh baptism of love today. 
Then all the tax collectors, say all the tax collectors, and the sinners, they drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, and let me just give the outline. So he shared his three stories. There was this shepherd. He had 100 sheep. He had lost one of the sheep. This shepherd left the 99, he went and he found the one, and we have a good song about that. And then he brought that one sheep back. If you are an orphanage, you will say, that's bad economy. If you are a family, if you lost one thing, we all lost something. And we will be very excited that Jesus, the great shepherd, will come and bring it back. If the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us because we are family. And then God, he says, so God is like a shepherd. Now, God is like a woman. <gasps> Middle East. God is like a woman. And, and wow, she had these coins. And she had lost one coin. And she was sweeping through the house to find that white coin and bring it back. I believe the picture here, first one, he describes himself as the shepherd. But the second one, he described the Holy Spirit. I believe there was the first Reformation, 1517, justification by faith and grace alone, where he restored Jesus to the world. Jesus has always been around, but that's when people had access to Jesus. How many of you are excited you're saved by grace? Let me see. It's not your works. Okay, wonderful. And then there was another Reformation, 1906. Whoa! There was another birth of another Reformation. Revival changes life, churches, but Reformation transforms culture. And the Holy Spirit came in, and now the Spirit is moving all over the world. But then there was the third. There was another Reformation that was coming, and it's called the Agape Reformation. So look at me. So in Luke 15, then verse 11, then he said a certain man had two sons. Say sons. Say sons. And the younger said to his father, give me, give, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided his livelihood among them. And not many days after the younger son gathered together, journeyed to a far country. And let me just quickly just paraphrase this for a time. So what this boy is, say, there was a father. He has two sons. This is Jesus telling people, they're wondering, how could you, Jesus, be who you says you are? How, how can you be? Because sinners and tax collectors love being around you. That's the issue. And if you are like Jesus, sinners and tax collectors love being around you. I think that's one of the reasons, including this morning, one of the most influential Muslim leaders of the world just texted me and he called me. And, Yesterday, the top Muslim leader in Pakistan texted me and called me, thinking about you. Just recently, I was just with a top Shia Muslim, and I brought him together with a Sunni Muslim, sitting right beside me. And listen, you have authority over what you love. This is not the father had two sinners. That's what I used to preach. This is the father had two sons. Daughters are included. This father has two sons. It's talking about family. This is not the message how we're going to get people converted and bring them in. That's going to come as a result. But I want us to capture now the father is dealing. Jesus is telling me this father has two sons. Say sons. One of them says, give me, give me, give me. Orphan heart. He valued the father for what he is going to do for him. Wow. Actually, I don't care if you're a dead father as long as I get. 
Give me, touch me, bless me, fill me, 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 me. And what is did is he turned away from the Father's love and he moved away into sin and lavish living. And we know the story. Eventually end up in a pig pen. Remember a Jewish boy ending up so far away from love, so far away from God, that a Jewish boy is actually eating the food of pigs. Jews don't eat pigs. And here he's eating the food of pigs. That just means how far away into sin you can get. Then eventually you say he repented. No, he didn't. Read the scripture. He's actually going to come home and negotiate with the father a better place than the pig pen. It is like a heroin addict that certainly don't have any more heroin. And then the next month, I'd rather go home than leave some food at home. That's his thoughts. And he's rehearsing his speech and everything else. And he's heading towards the father. And I want you just to capture this. Because Luke 15, <laughs> I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So here he comes back again, is that orphan mentality. I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm going to negotiate with you to be like one of your servants or one of your slaves. Has not repented. Verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. And here he <laughs> Wow. But when he was still great way off, his father saw him. Say he saw him. And he had compassion. Say compassion. And he ran. Say he ran. And he fell on his neck. Say he fell on his neck. And he kissed him. This is before he has repented. My question to you, this is Jesus telling the story to the world. Let me tell you about the father. Let me tell you about the God that each one of us are supposed to represent to the world. Let me tell you a little bit how he is like. He is like a shepherd. He is like a woman. But he is also like, and this is the agape reformation that is coming. The first reformation was a reformation of grace. The second one was power. This one is love. And that's how the world is going to see who we are. Because we've learned how to love that way. Nigeria is going to see who he is. And I believe in repentance is coming now in the next verse. But I just wanted us to capture that you don't have to be clean to take a bath. The father was looking. Was he looking away from him? Because this guy messed up everything. This is as bad you can do it in the Middle East. I have watched the honor killings. This is the worst dishonor you can do. And it was my life to my parents. That's why I know this story well. Because I didn't know the father. Father was looking, say so he was looking. He's, that means he saw him. He was looking, so he's looking. And then the father did something. The father was full of compassion. Say compassion. Then the father was running. Say he was running. The Greek word for running means to run. Not, it was running. But you need to understand in the Middle East, for you to run, you have to lift up that cloak. And what is about to happen in the Middle East, you're showing your legs. You don't do that in the Middle East as a mature leader. As a wealthy father, you don't show your legs in public. But this Jesus is describing, that's how God is like. And there's a lot of people in Nigeria who have never met this God. And there are many believers here that are never experiencing a father just like that. Because there's other father images. That when you're looking at the father, you think that's how he looks like. Now I'm showing you how he looks like. He's actually looking. He's full of compassion. He's running towards you in the middle of your messes. So you say, what about holiness? I'm about to get there. Then Father embraces him. 
And he holds them and he holds them. Some of you, we just need the embrace of the Father. We've not had an embrace in a while. I just heard two Nigerians who was just telling it. Even now, he said, my father became a believer, but when he embraced me, I still have this because I used to, he used to hold me up. Or I had this one leg thing. He was just <laughs> describing all of those different things. So, and I can realize that's also his view towards God. But he was describing to me all this. He still feels that when the father's squeezing, he's like, he's just waiting. Is there going to come a lick? But that's not Papa God. And then he starts to kiss him. Just see the villager. See the community. Jesus, remember this story. Jesus is telling the leadership in the community, this is how God is like. Because the question is, how could you be who you say you are when sinners and tax collectors? Jesus then described, hey, let me tell you this story, parable. Shepherd, woman, father. Grace, power, love. And then you're coming in and this story, and then... Because listen, it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Then read a verse. I want you to read a verse because there is repentance. And there is genuine repentance. And it says, and the son said to him, Father, Father, I have sinned. Say, Father, I have sinned. Against heaven and you. I have sinned. Against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He doesn't even get to repent anymore. It was not a one year this, no, no. I mean, in the middle of his repentance speech. And it was a genuine repentance. Because it's the goodness and the kindness that leads to repentance. So when the world out there see how good and kind he is. You're getting so overwhelmed that all you can go down on your knee and start to worship him. You're getting so overwhelmed. Listen, whatever overwhelms you, shapes you. He's being so overwhelmed by love and he's being so overwhelmed by the Father. He's being so overwhelmed that it leads to a genuine repentance. I have sinned. Because now when you're looking into the love, you also see the holiness and then you see who you are. And I don't want anything to stop me from experiencing this love. But what the devil will say is when you sin, this is what I lived for many years. God cannot handle sin. He is holy. So he turns away. Then you have to do all those right things. And if you do enough, then he maybe turns towards you and says, okay, you can come now. Because I had a view of God that didn't look like Jesus. You can ask the pastor if I'm theologically correct with the exegetes. But it is very clear here in the scripture. And then I want you to capture that. But the father says, bring out the best robe. Say the robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. Say ring. ring. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is now alive. He was lost but he is now found. And they began to be merry. Capture two more verses and we're going to do. The other brother is out on the field and everything else. But I want you to see that in verse 29. And I believe this is also a healing. So he answered to them. Verse 29. And said to his father. This is the brother. Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might have a party or make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, son of yours, not my brother. Orphans don't think that way. I'm just reading the scriptures. 
who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed a, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, say the word son. Son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Say that with me. Say son. You're always with me. Say, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. He acted like an orphan. But the father doesn't treat you based upon your history, but your destiny. You don't have to do 40 years in the wilderness when you can do 40 days. But the biggest thing that keeps you away from the Father is as soon as shame and guilt and fear. Those are the three major things. And what is going to happen And you covering up and now there is pain in your life because of shame. And what shame will tell you who you are not. And you can come here and I can be dressed very nicely. But who are you when nobody is looking? And shame will continue to be with you when you leave this place. And shame will tell you who you are not. But when you hear the Father's voice, He will always tell you who you are. And he would say, daughter, princess, the woman has been bleeding. And other people, she is sinning. It is wrong. You don't do that. And you are unclean. And you are this and that. But Jesus looks and says, daughter, restores her dignity in front of everybody. That's how Papa sees you. And that's how I see you. Daughter. And the healing flows. Because identity gives you intimacy. Intimacy gives you the inheritance. And then out of inheritance, you step into your destiny and you find your special sauce, your uniqueness, who you are as part of a bigger family. Can we stand to our feet? And-